Today on The Brand Insider, we talked to Stephanie Perdue, VP of Brand Marketing for Chipotle. Chipotle was already ahead of many marketing curves that both the pandemic and social unrest accelerated in the last year. While it was relatively new to delivery and takeout, the brand did have a firm base of app users and loyalty members to access with these new models for digital ordering. And while other brands only started to look at esports out of necessity this year, Chipotle was already four years into its work with gamers. Meanwhile, on the social justice and values conscious branding front, this box was checked at the brand's inception. I mean, who of us can forget the legendary long-form animation spot The Scarecrow from 2013, promoting local fresh food sourcing to Fiona Apple's haunting rendition of pure imagination? If you don't remember it, Google it now. We'll wait. Stephanie explains this week how Chipotle not only doubled down on all of these pre-existing strengths during the pandemic year, they looked for new ways of leveraging digital, gaming, and even values-driven branding. We sat down with Stephanie in advance of Media Post's May 26th and 27th QSR Brand Insider Virtual Summit, where many of the leading QSR and fast casual brands will share their smartest innovations of the this past crisis year. Chipotle will be joined there by Domino's, KFC, Church's Chicken, Jack in the Box, Focus Brands, Shake Shack, Pancheros, and many more. So please join us then. But for now, let's dig in with Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie, why don't you tell, walk us back to about a year ago, or a little bit more than a year ago, and what, um, how did Chipotle as a brand experience the pandemic uh, in terms of uh, physically what it had to do with its uh, physical locations and what sort of pivot it made in what kind of time frame? Yeah, it, yeah. You know, I think we were in the middle of a, a new product launch. We had just launched um, our new Queso Blanco, and um, and I think we were we were we were seeing the, the trends in the reports, and all of a sudden, you know, um, having to close our dining rooms um, in mid March. Um, so it was pretty, it was a pretty radical shift um, as, you know, um, you know, our, our major, um, you know, source of business from people coming into the restaurant, about 80% of sales um, was suddenly shut down. So um, what we did is basically pivot um, our marketing into, into digital. Um, so, you know, first initiating free delivery. Um, and really uh, getting customers, um, you know, introduced to that um, way of getting Chipotle for the first time. Um, we, we had a, a radical change to our media mix. Um, we were, you know, we were in live sports and all of a sudden there was no games. So, um, you know, we basically looked at ways that we were being successful, um, already connecting to our consumers digitally, whether that was through CRM, whether that was through our esports platform, um, you know, uh, whether it's through social. And um, we looked at really unique ways to engage in the consumer in those channels. So we did a lot of firsts for the brand, um, you know, including uh, hosting our own gaming tournaments um, on Twitch uh, where challengers could, could play against pros, um, connecting with our customers to celebrities and athletes when, in, a, in a period of time where it was pretty devoid of, you know, entertainment and shows. And so we did that through um, a, a program called Chipotle Together. Um, and then figuring out, you know, things we could do to help the community and what was going on. Um, and so, you know, for that, what that looked like was, you know, feeding the medical frontline um, and getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of burritos um, to that medical frontline. 
Um, so those, those are just a few things, but, um, you know, I think what was critical for us was looking at our digital ecosystem, figuring out how to expand it, um, reach our consumers in different ways, changing our media mix overnight entirely, changing out our advertising, um, and then figuring out a way to let our purpose guide us in entirely new ways. Okay, let me, let, let's walk back up and walk through each one of those a little bit. Tell us about what the nature of the digital footprint was uh, before all this, because you already uh, had a fairly established app relationship with a lot of consumers, I think more so than a lot of QSRs. Um, but let's start there. What was the, the app relationship and, and how much were your consumers already accustomed to working with uh, the Chipotle brand digitally? Yeah, so about 18% of our sales came through digital channels. Um, what I would say is that we had, um, you know, very little, I would say under 10% overlap with our in-restaurant customers. So it was, it was you know, basically um, we had a strong digital base, but again, 80% of our business was affected overnight. Um, and those customers were not using digital. Um, and so, you know, for us, um, that's where we really had to create an awareness trial of the channel, expand our third-party delivery relationships. Um, and we were also lucky we had a really strong and thriving rewards program where in a year right before the pandemic happened, we had 10 million members. Um, but that, that, um, that communication channel became even more important to us during the pandemic, right? Um, it became a way for us to communicate directly with the customer around um, our leading health and safety practices, what was coming new, um, what we were doing for the community during this crisis. And, um, you know, fortunately, that 10 million member base grew to, um, you know, over 20 million today. What were the most effective um, media tactics that you used to drive people towards a new delivery takeout? structure. Um, I mean, you mentioned that you had to move towards digital, you had to move people towards whole new behaviors. So in retrospect, looking back on the media mix that you used, whether it was TV, digital search, uh, whether you're using the delivery ecosystem itself, the delivery partnerships to do this, what proved to be the most effective ways at shifting and uh, people's behaviors? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think for us, we saw a lot of success, success in shifting into paid social um, a lot of success in moving into streaming as people were consuming content totally differently mm -hmm. uh, at home during the pandemic. Um, we saw a, a tremendous amount of success in, in esports, um, in, in mm -hmm. live streaming platforms like Twitch. And, you know, I think it was doubling. We were, we were in those areas, but not as significantly as, um, as, as what we pivoted to during the pandemic. Um, and, 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 I, and, and again, I think our owned channels um, became a real source of strength um, during this time. So um, I think th those were all really critical, critical moves. Um, and then, you know, I think we leveraged third-party relationships. We expanded our, our delivery business with, with partners such as Uber Eats and Grubhub, again, extending our reach digitally. So those were, those were all in, really important. Uh, if you, I'd like to because we have we have too few uh, marketers who are with us who have experience in the esports space. So I'd be curious the ways in which you used esports that was most effective, and just the things you've learned about that channel in the last year. Uh, because I think obviously there's a lot of uh, energy and focus in it. The scale is clearly there, but I think marketers are still unsure. And I've been covering the space, the gaming space, for over 20 years. 
And every time that I cover it and go back to it, marketers still seem to be in that same quizzical space. It's, we, we understand the scale of it. We don't know exactly what to do with it or exactly what is most effective in this channel where people really just want to play the damn game. So I'm curious, after a year of exploring that channel, are there sort of key impressions or insights you've come out of, out of it with uh, about how best to, to use it? Well, I think similar, we, we've, we've, we've obviously had a lot of success in social and, and that's been about um, you know, partnering with uh, creators who love our brand. Um, and we took that same approach in gaming. So you know, the, the gamers that we partner with, they were already, they've been eating Chipotle, they love Chipotle, they were already talking about that in their live stream. So um, I think the first, the first thing uh, we did and I would recommend for others is, is to partner your brand with those gamers and uh, streamers who, are, who, who already naturally have a connection um, to, to your brand. Um, so that, that was the first thing. I think, I think it's very important to be authentic in that community. Um, and to have a long-term commitment. Um, you know, Chipotle has been in the gaming space since 2016. Um, and, you know, for us, it, it's been about, you know, um, increasing our investment in the space. Uh, we, and, you know, I'll give you an example of a creator uh, team that um, has been really wonderful to work with is our, our 100 Thieves. And again, if you go back and you look at their, you know, their feeds, they've been, they've been the hugest fans of Chipotle before we even started working with them. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that was one thing. I think uh, what we, we were doing a lot of physical events before the pandemic. And so what we did is we, um, we took those esports events from physical to digital. And so we hosted uh, virtual tournaments on Twitch um, where we could get our consumer base excited about being able to play against pro gamers and celebrities. Um, and so when you take a look at those um, those events and the engagement that we got, you know, for multiple hours, and you know, um, and the participants that we got in terms of reach um, across uh, the pro gamers that we worked with um, against our followers on Twitch, um, it you know definitely proved a, a great ROI. And you know, it's no it's no surprise that that group is really savvy when it comes to digital. So, you know, I think if you think about as we go back to the start of the conversation, you know, how did we increase our digital sales? We, we already knew that, um, on, you know, advertising on platforms like Twitch that we saw attribution in terms of visitation to our restaurants. It's a group that, um, you know, I think, you know, already is native from, from a digital ordering standpoint. And so to um, talk about you know, real food that's basically easy to deliver right to your door. I mean, you couldn't find a better audience to talk right. about the message to. Uh, yeah, don't even have to put the controller down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, is that a core demographic of yours anyway? I mean, I know that the Chipotles around me tend to be closer to the campuses. Uh, so is, is that one, is that a sort of not the only demographic, but a core demographic for you? We, we definitely have a stronghold with college and with, with, with gamers, for sure. Um, so before we move away from media onto other things like, like menu innovations, uh, I, I did want to ask, reflecting now or, or looking, looking at your media mix now, um, how is it 
reshuffled or how will it be reshuffled as a result of this, you know, in terms of the ways you're investing in TV, digital, um, digital video, um, connected TV, as opposed to social gaming, how have things, how's the budget shifted? Yeah, I think um, I think what the pandemic did is allowed us to experiment more, right, um, with our digital mix, and I think it proved out to be successful. We saw a strong ROI. So what we've done is we've kept our investment um, in digital, um, you know, and basically, you know, this past March, we just launched a digital only item, the quesadilla in our app, and we've actually seen um, the highest digital sales that we've ever seen, even during the pandemic, when we had, you know, in restaurant dining rooms closed. So, you know, for us, you know, what we've been doing in digital is working and we'll continue to invest and grow that investment over time. I think as our, in, as our, our physical locations, um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, customers come back in as people are vaccinated um, and, um, and, you know, even with um, the awareness of convenience channels like mobile pickup in our restaurants, we're seeing a huge shift of people come back into restaurants. And um, so, you know, broader awareness vehicles like TV are extremely effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we're, we're continuing to vest. I, I think we all know that the consumer is super fragmented when it comes to uh, media consumption. And so, you know, for us, a multi-channel approach is, it's, it's, it's required from, and we really take, you know, from an earned, owned and paid perspective, you know, I think we're at our best when we're, we're hitting, we're hitting all of those channels. Uh, how are you, as a brand, how are you, uh, how do you see yourself differentiating yourself in the market? It's a, it, QSR is a really, inc- becoming increasingly cluttered. I mean, you're starting to get a lot of competition from below everything from ghost chicken ghost kitchen ghost chickens ghost kitchens to um you know new new younger brands that are sort of coming in with a lot of innovative messaging and product how do you differentiate yourself in position chipotle in the market yeah you know i think when chipotle started 28 years ago i think the founder had a vision that was completely differentiated and that is relevant today and he believed that you know food with integrity separated Chipotle from all other restaurants, and 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 it still does today. Um, when you think about how Chipotle is is one of the largest national restaurant groups um, in terms of buying local produce, in terms of buying organic produce, um, when you when you think about um, its commitment over time to no artificial ingredients, flavors, colors, preservatives. Um, no GMOs, um, it's commitment to real ingredients that come into the restaurant and where we train the people that work in our restaurants to have real culinary skills. And, and you know, um, to me, that is the differentiator. Um, and I was blown away. I've worked in the restaurant industry for a long time. And, um, you know, I think Chipotle's commitment to real ingredients, sourcing directly from farmers, paying those farmers a premium, um, having respect for those ingredients, and then preparing them fresh, I think to me is a differentiator. Uh, You couple that with um, how easy we're making it to order Chipotle now digitally, I I definitely think it's a winning combination. What's the major messaging that gets that across? I mean, I still recall one of Chipotle's greatest ads ever, one of the greatest digital ads ever, 
was the Fiona Apple uh, Willy Wonka ad of I don't know how many years ago now. Uh, but it made a lot of those same points and it made it brilliantly in a, in a, in a long form digital um, approach. Um, what is the messaging now and how did you take a message like that and weave it into brand building? Definitely. Um, that, that's a great, a great piece of content that you just referenced. Um, you know, and, and I think it, it's a testament to Chipotle's commitment to its purpose over time. As you, you said, hey, sounds, sounds familiar from, from mm -hmm. a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, the way we think about it is I, I think it permeates everything that we do. Um, so, you know, I think from a Super Bowl ad where we're asking viewers, you know, can a burrito change the world and looking at that from the lens of a young boy and thinking about, well, what if the world did source, you know, grew things more organically and, and sourced locally. And, um, and thinking about, you know, the impact that higher sourcing practices could have. I, I think that that was a key message of our Super Bowl spot, but it goes down all the way down to, you know, the personal personalized emails that we send um, to our consumers about the impact they're having on the environment with uh, an environmental tracker that we call the real food print. So every time they order on our app or on chipotle.com, they get to see how, you know, the way Chipotle sources their ingredients versus conventionally sourced ones, you know, how much water they're saving um, for, for the environment, how, you know, how many antibiotics they're taking, you know, they're keeping out of, of the land, um, you know, in terms of um, how we're reducing carbon emissions with that purchase. And so, you know, it, it stems from at the highest level of Super Bowl ad to that to that personalized email to, you know, the things that we're talking to our employees um, um, every day in terms of our values um, and what makes us different as a company. Um, and now everybody's uh, seems to be have gotten seems to have gotten on the bandwagon. So I'm curious, a brand like yours, who you know, as I recall from the that ad that I referenced of many years ago, the idea of the values-driven uh, brand has now become uh, all current. Uh, as as a company that's actually been doing that for a number of years, how do you respond in a marketplace like that where everybody is now onto it? Uh, it almost seems like less of a differentiator than it ever was because uh, it's become really the thing for every brand to contemplate and to, and to try to fold into its marketing. Yeah, I think you double down. I mean, I think what we're hearing from younger generations is they want to align their values with, with the companies that they're purchasing from. Um, and I don't think it's a fad. I think that's here to stay. And so, you know, I think, you know, I think, you know, kudos to Chipotle for trailblazing that path. Um, and I'm excited of a, for a world that, you know, where there is more social responsibility, where, you know, you know, companies are using their scale for good. Um, I mean, that's the way we think about our business. Um, you know, we think about how we can better responsibly source our ingredients. You know, how can we champion the people that we work, that work in our restaurants, give them better career advancement opportunities? Um, how do we, how do we do better for the environment? I think these are all things companies should be thinking about. Um, and I think they're gonna separate the companies that are here 10 years from now. Um, you mentioned the, uh, earlier you talked about how uh, this was a time this last year was interestingly time for a lot of experimentation on the media side. It seems, uh, especially in the, in the dining space, uh, there was an opportunity for a lot of experimentation in the menu uh, piece of this as well. Obviously everybody had to reshuffle their menu to accommodate 
the new delivery structure. But it also is a time in the last year where I can recall, and Chipotle is among them, where I saw a lot of new products being generated and dropped. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you guys were doing on the menu and uh, product innovation side and how the pandemic actually seemed to play into that. Yeah, I think two trends we leveraged was, as you mentioned, you know, this the shift into digital ordering and delivery and those experiences. Um, and then I think I think there's just an overall awareness of, you know, wanting to eat better um, and you know having health and wellness kind of top of mind. And so um, we had a lot of success with a platform we called Lifestyle Bowls, which is basically um, one-click orders to um, to bowls that really fit your lifestyle. If you're on keto um, lifestyle, if you're on Whole30, if you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, um, and so we launched those pre-pandemic and had a lot of success. Mm -hmm. So with with that launch, we knew, wow, okay, digital-only menu items are thing. Um, and, um, and our customer base gets really excited about them. Um, and then we also recognize that, you know, people wanted more vegetables in their diet. People wanted to have choices that, um, help them adhere to their goals. So, um, during the pandemic, um, we, we launched, uh, cauliflower rice, um, which fresh cauliflower brought in the restaurant, grilled on the plancha season with lime and cilantro, it's delicious. Um, so that really helps people have an entirely new way to eat Chipotle um, because of you know way less net carbs and um, more vegetables in your diet. Um, we also launched um, this past March, um, the quesadilla, which is digital only mm -hmm. and um, exciting. You know, So you can only get that in the app. You can only get that through chipotle.com. And so we had, an, you know, it's a great experience for delivery and, um, and it's, been, it's been very successful. So yeah, we haven't stopped innovating. And you know, I think for us, it's just more recognizing that consumer needs have changed and then being able to respond quickly um, and um, figure out how to, how to do all this in a remote environment. And, uh, and um, you know, luckily we have great teams here at Chipotle. So we've been very fortunate to, to bring some exciting initiatives forward. Uh, what's been the biggest surprise for you in the last year? What, what didn't you see, um, even though obviously none of us saw the pandemic coming or not, not many of us saw the pandemic coming, but beyond that, what surprised you about either the way your, the consumer responded to this, the things that popped with consumers, the way the media mix operated, anything, uh, the way your marketing team operated that surprised you? Um, I mean, I, I, I would say I, more the resilience. I mean, I'm more delighted by just the resilience of, you know, our employees, uh, you know, to come in and um, make sure that we're getting food, you know, to people. Um, and I think, you know, I think it, it brought out a lot of ingenuity and I think better practices um, for the long term, for the future. Um, I think, I think that's the thing where you, you take a step back and it's a huge crisis, but, you know, I think that's, that's the most, I think, surprising and, or, you know, thrilling thing to see is that, look, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to do things differently than we did last February. And that, that rapid adoption of change of those consumer behaviors, you know, from consuming media to, um, you know, what you value to, 
um, what you want brands to do for your community. I think, you know, all that got sped up in such a short amount of time. Um, and I think that's the thing that's, that's the most exciting as we look towards the future um, and the most, I think, surprising. I don't think we've seen that level of, of change in behavior in, in, in a year. Uh, what so and, and the one thing that I think you can speak to we don't know how consumer behaviors really will change we don't know if all of the the focus on on values uh, driven branding really will will resonate um, a lot of us remember 2008 and how we thought everything was going to change permanently <laughs> after that um, and, but one thing that you do know and do and can control is the way your own marketing team operates um, and the things that you've learned about the ways in which a team operates, how it's structured, um, how you do, uh, you know, how you innovate within. Are there things that you guys have done internally that you think are going to change permanently? What are they? I think we've become a lot more agile um, and 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 you know, I think we move faster with real-time opportunities. I think, you know, I think we saw the success of, of doing that during the pandemic. I mean, you're forced to, you had to, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think that agility and that real-time response will stay. I think that it was already on, you know, headed that way as an industry, but I think now more than ever, I think, you know, I think, you know, it, you know, you look at that week to week, how in consumer sentiment and, and attitude toward what towards what was happening, um, mm -hmm. what they expected from brands, it was like literally changing week to week. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to keep that mentality um, because I think that's going to help us be more successful. Um, so I definitely see that going forward. Mm -hmm. I think maybe be less, less afraid. I think yep. a lot of brands, I think a lot of brands learn not to be as afraid that, that the wheels don't actually fall off. Right, uh, you know, and, and that's that's one of the biggest impediments to innovation is that fear of fail failure. Definitely, definitely. I think we all challenged convention, and um, and and you know, I think for those who who acted upon it, I think you know we were rewarded. Uh, Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for hitting play on Media Post Brand Insider Podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at mediapost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there.